I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling. Wake up, wake up, she says, wake up, wake up. Listen, 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 listen. May the rivers all run free. May the mountains be unspoiled. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling. Wake up, wake up. She says, wake up, wake up. Listen, 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 listen. May the rivers all run free. May the mountains be unspoiled. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. Hello and welcome to the Womb-Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Sama Morningstar, and before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to share with you some announcements and a couple of requests. Uh, about the womb-centered healing temple and this podcast so this winter this fall actually we've began and this winter we're continuing the biomystical womb healing apprenticeship it was it started out as a nine-month apprenticeship and it's been expanded to a 13-month apprenticeship as all of the apprentices wanted to really deepen into the work and the process at hand. Um, if you want to learn more about what's going on in our biomystical womb apprenticeship, this is the first round of the apprenticeship. You can go to the website wombcenteredhealing.com and look at the biomystical womb apprenticeship page and learn more about it. We're still accepting participants to join us, even though it's a little late to the party you can at least join us now and um, dive into the process the womb the biomystical womb healing process also I welcome you to share that page when you're visiting the biomystical womb apprenticeship page share it with those of you with friends or acquaintances or whomever you feel might be interested in this process. Another thing I would like to announce is that I've started the Womb-Centered Healing Temple blog. So if you love listening to these um, audio podcasts, you might also really love reading the blog. So you can find the blog at wombcenteredhealing.com and I invite you to comment on the blog, let me know how you like it, and share the blog as well. And I also invite you to share this um, podcast with your people that you know that might be interested in listening to the podcast. And you can favorite it or subscribe to it wherever you're accessing it. And if you're accessing it on Anchor, you can actually make a financial, monthly financial contribution to subscribe to it as well. So I encourage you to look into those options and support what we're doing here in the womb-centered healing temple in any way that you can. Um, The more supporters we have, the more of a collaborative, co-creative process it becomes. So I really appreciate your support. All right. Thanks a lot. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Salma Morningstar and I have Salima here with me. Thank you so much for joining us, Salima. I was really inspired by your post in the Womb Centered Healing Temple Facebook group about herbs. You made a post of 11 um, uses for herbs, sacred uses, ceremonial uses, healing uses 
um, that just really uh, felt quite comprehensive and concise. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> and I, I was curious if you had come up with that um, nice graphic. I think you did, right? Yeah, yes, I did. <laughs> and I was like, wow, what a great way to introduce people to herbs. And so I wanted to, yeah, you know, get to know you better and get to know your work and, and see what other beautiful gems of wisdom you had to share with us in a podcast interview. So thank you for joining us. And um, I'd love to introduce, I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little more, um, sharing about your journey with womb-centered healing and herbalism and all of those wonderful things. Um, so please do. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sama. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad that you were inspired by that post. And I'm really glad I posted it. It was an idea that just came into my head and I got on the computer and just fired away. Um, and it was really well received by a lot of people. So I appreciate you reaching out. I, again, I'm Salima Harleston-Lust. I'm an herbalist, spiritual teacher, astrologer. Um, and I really, you know, facilitate healing with plants. My whole, I guess, intention or purpose and the work that I do is helping people travel the shortest distance from pain to healed, ill to well, and broken to whole. And how I came into this work, which really relates to my womb-centered healing journey, too, is that I was um, you know, pursuing all of the career moves that you, you dream and envision for yourself when you're a teenager and in your early adulthood. And all of the doors that I thought were my doors were closing in my face. And I realized that the doors that were opening were the invitations to my own healing. And that was healing from... Um, a traumatic childhood. Um, all sorts of abuse went on in my own home. And it's not that, you know, I didn't, I wasn't aware of how my environment was and how it was traumatic. It was just, I didn't know what to do about it. And so there was like these parallel process of the career is not working out the way I think it's supposed to. And here's, a, here's so many opportunities for me to address the physical pain that was going on in my body and just traveling around to all different places in my body and just so many messages coming from spirit that Selima, you need to work on your childhood and you need to work on healing from sexual trauma and you need to work on healing from, you know, just the, the lineage of abuses and generational, that's what I like to think of as like generational curses and trauma, just those emotional wounds that we pass down from person to person to person. And I was the person that was, that's in line to say no more and to stop. Um, and so that's how I do plants. I, I started, you know, changing diet, um, starting a new exercise regimen, um, and then started working with natural remedies and herbs. And it just never ended. My curiosity never ended. My work in the work never ended. And we launched a business. I teach, do consultations, do readings, um, have a mentorship program. And it's really the plants that helped me to open up to what I was resistant to and to face those, those early wounds and gave me the courage, like helped me find my inner courage to work on it. Um, so I, def I credit plants for saving my life. <laughs> wow, that's such a testimony. You know, I've talked with a lot of people about uh, early childhood trauma healing. It's a big topic in the womb-centered mm -hmm. healing temple. Um, uh, I talk about it all the time. You know, often that trauma starts when we're conceived, and that's part of the work that I do in, in my apprenticeship program, is we go all the way back to actually preconception when our ancestors are gathering and you know, and the energies for our incarnation are gathering. And so then, you know, right. And and I really feel this this supportive energy from the plant realms in in those journeys of looking back and seeing okay what are the gifts and what are the challenges what are the traumas what are the you know missing pieces where did things get where did things get shattered. Mm -hmm. um, and how can we piece those things back together? I feel the plants really offering a supportive field of reweaving for us in, in these areas where we're working with, you know, 
it's because it's pre-memory oftentimes the the earliest most profound traumas are from we don't even have conscious memory of and and it's in our cells it's in our tissues it's in how our dna creates new cells our dna has has been deactivated you know certain capacities in our dna has been deactivated and other capacities to cope with stress and constant trauma, that's what's activated. And it feels like the plants with their little tiny phytochemicals and their energetic beingness have a certain medicine for, for that, for right. us. And it, you know, learning about, because a lot of people come to plants uh, looking at it as some more of, um, a physiological medicine and that there's somehow a separation between the physiology and the emotional and trauma healing whereas I feel like when you look at the emotional and trauma healing and how that affects your DNA as a developing fetus it is one and the same mm -hmm. and that that and that when you look at it, that womb-centered healing, it brings all of that together. So the ancestral healing is a genetic physiological transmission. It's not just this spiritual right. thing disconnected from the physiology. It's completely woven into it. And uh, I'm just saying this out loud to give people oh, maybe uh, to weave the the information together because it really does go hand in hand. And so when you're talking about emotional and trauma healing from early childhood with plants, it makes complete sense to me. And I can't <laughs> wait to hear what you're going to share about it. But I just wanted to clarify for listeners that yes, emotional and trauma healing from early childhood is a physiological thing as well as an energetic thing and the plants have a huge wisdom and huge support for that so i would love to hear how you began to discover that and and work with the plants in that process for you selena yeah perfect you said so much that i yeah 100 percent agree with like we're whole beings and i think that so much of it is the way that people approach plants, you know, like you said, from this physiological standpoint, I think we get that from the medical model, that our modern medical model, where it's like, okay, take drugs for symptoms. Well, I want to be holistic, so let me just take plants for symptoms. And it's like, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. You're really um, that path to wholeness is like, yes, use the entire medicine, um, connect with the medicine, connect with the plants. There's this whole being that is that is so divine, you know, that has so much intelligence that comes directly from source that hasn't been traumatized and can help facilitate your process for restoring your wholeness, reclaiming your power. Um, how I got into it, again, it, it really started on the outside in and working on the body being like, well, what most people believe, right, is, well, if I eat right and I exercise and I'll be healthy. <laughs> And I quickly realized, well, that's not entirely true. And so the, you know, the diet and the exercise that made um, an impact for sure. And I was feeling better in my physical body with all the just different chronic pains that were going on, but I plateaued and I was like, well, what else is going on? And at the same time I was working with plant medicine, but not that deeply. And so I was like, well, maybe like, this is the path. I'm really interested in this. So I studied with a mentor, Karen Rose out of Brooklyn. And it was through that process of really diving into plants and diving into my own spiritual awakening journey, whatever you want to call it, um, that I realized it was the emotional piece in myself that I really wasn't connecting with. I'm connecting with my physical body, but I'm not connecting with my feelings. Mm -hmm. um, and the plants helped to facilitate that process. And then it, it was just, you know, when you're doing a connect the dot um, graphic, and it doesn't make sense at first, but the picture, you know, comes to be. That's really how it was. Like in the moment of it, it was just this, this strong desire to heal, to feel better in all, in all ways. And the more I asked myself of that, the more I just kept returning to plant medicine and working with them, um, you know, medita meditating with them, just doing more than just ingesting. Uh -huh. Yeah, I was going to ask you, can you give a specific story perhaps about a particular plant that you started to connect with at a certain point on a more holistic level? What was the first plant that you actually started to meditate with and, and 
really experience this, you know, all of the energetic support and wholeness that the plant had to offer you and how the plant could guide you. Yeah, that plant would be burdock. That burdock. was the first plant burdock group that I did um, a three month plant communion with and worked with it every day. Uh, I mean, and still, but like that was the very first plant that I spent a lot of a lot of quality time with. And burdock, you know, physiologically, it works on the liver. It's very supportive to the liver, but the liver is also the seat of our anger. And so during that process, um, where you know you're just accepting that you're you're called to this plant, but you're not fully aware of what the journey is going to be. I wouldn't. I wasn't connected with my own anger that was inside of me as a result of my childhood and that was the plant that helped really to like help me express it and help me acknowledge it um this is perfect <laughs> one of my apprentices just this week said sama what do we do about anger <laughs> so, okay, we have a call about that so we got a call in our apprenticeship for about anger that's coming up just on monday so i would love to hear you share more about how you started to realize what you started this three-month journey with burdock you probably weren't aware at the, at the beginning that burdock root was going to get you in touch with your anger i'm really curious about the specific things that happened for you as you were working with burdock how you were working with burdock and when you started to become aware that burdock was getting you in touch with your anger and how burdock guided you to work with your anger Yeah, so big question with burdock, and I have to go back in time because this is around 2011, 2012, and so um, let me pull from my memory bank. I know that in terms of working with the plant, I worked with the plant every single day. I, I dreamt with it, I had it under my pillow, I had tinctures of it, I would make medicine of it. Um, I lived in Brooklyn at the time, and my access to the fresh plant was in Prospect Park. I wouldn't, you can't harvest in Prospect Park, but I would go on plant walks and we would, you know, go to the plant, um, go to the supermarket and find the fresh gobo root if we could find it, like cook with it as well. So lots of tangible ways of working with the medicine and allowing, like that was also when I was pretty much beginning my meditation practice. And I wasn't certain that it was working. <laughs> so I do remember from journal entries that I saw a lot of colors. Like it's almost like um, the beginning of the movies that you see where things are coming into focus. And so at that time, it was really working on um, me, me learning to see, like me learning to see beyond the physical, but to see into uh, just the other, the other realms, for lack of a better word. Um, I journaled every day during that process, and that was really when, I'm trying to think if that was the same time. I don't think that that was the same time that the repressed memories started resurfacing, um, but I think that is the time when I was recognizing that this is the issue that I need to work on, and accepting that and acknowledging that and not brushing it off. Like, I think that because anger and rage was so explosive and expressive in the household that I grew up in that I, I'm cool, you know, I'm cool, I'm calm, I'm collected, I'm cold. Like I, you know, I was a person who didn't um, seem affected by the other things that different days. Like, no, oh, I'm always cool. And my anger's never, even to this day, it's never that eruptive, um, certainly not violent, but I think that it helped me realize maybe the value of just acknowledging being angry. <laughs> that it's like, no, what I experienced was not, um, I mean, now there's a greater understanding of it, but it was, it was not okay. It was, it was completely unfair um this was not a safe environment like being able to put words i think at that same time as well i was really putting words to emotions i remember literally looking up the definitions of emotions because i was so detached from them 
that and I was so like yeah just cut off from that side of myself because that's the place where the wounds had happened you know what I mean um so I remember looking up compassion in the dictionary I remember like looking up and like writing down what what are the different feelings that people feel because I feel very robotic <laughs> and I think burdock really helped to um like I have a visual in my mind, but of just that like tunnel digging, just like just digging and like turning and getting to like it's a tap root, so it goes deep. It goes deep. Yeah, that's the best way I can I can explain it. Yeah, it's beautiful, and I love the association with this emotional development. You know that um, when we're having unsafe emotional childhood experiences that disrupts our natural emotional development in myriad ways, right? Um, you know, oftentimes we're being raised by people who never developed their emotional wisdom, their emotional, I mean, our whole society yeah. is completely disrupted in its emotional development because of the whole patriarchal thing that emotions e are equal to um, weakness, are to be suppressed, swept under the rug, ignored that it, you know, that they're an, a hindrance to healthy functioning in life. I mean, there's, it's like, well, <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and yet we all have that intrinsic entrainment, you know, I mean, we're discouraged from ever showing emotion in school, right? right. If you cry in school, you're removed from the classroom. You're told to stop crying. If you get angry in school, you're certainly removed and told to stop being angry. You know, <laughs> there's no, and then of course in our homes, if our parents are um, having unhealthy emotional communication patterns with each other, we either emulate them right. and do that ourselves, or we say, I'm never doing that. I'm going to shut myself off. And that's what I did. Sounds like that's what you did. And that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> off from any emotions that were big and scary and dangerous, right? Especially anger. And, um, and so we get, like you said, completely disconnected from our emotional wisdom and that burdock, that root that's like, you know, digging down into the dirt, right? Into the shadow areas and, and it's persistent. I grow burdock in the garden and I just harvested burdock after growing it for from seed for a couple of years. And I know from harvesting it elsewhere where it's this big mature plant that you're not going to get to the very tip of that taproot. Right. You're not going to get every inch of that taproot unless, I mean, there's ways that you can grow burdock and trick it. And like, I, I heard of somebody trying to figure out how to grow burdock and be able to harvest the entire taproot. What you do is you plant it in a bale of hay and you put a, a PVC pipe, a half, half of a cut in half PVC pipe down through the length of the bale of hay and plant the burdock at the top of that so it grows its root along the length of the PVC pipe. Then you can dig through the hay wow. and root out. I'm like, <laughs> I've never been that elaborate with my gardening. No. It's like, no, we'll grow and we get this much of the burdock. Yeah. And then guess what? That root from down below comes back up, right? Exactly, yeah. And isn't That's that wisdom too of, like when we are looking at the layers of the wounding, mm -hmm. if we just look at the surface, it just keeps sprouting right back up, just like burdock, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So powerful. So, so this was the burdock was your first. It sounds like it was making you aware of what the issues were. It was helping you to see them clearly. It was giving you the wisdom and the stamina probably mm -hmm. and the groundedness to really follow those those root tunnels, right? Through through your past, through your inner realms, through your finding the places where you, maybe you had stored 
unfelt and unresolved traumas and emotions in your body. Yep. Right? Like your body being the soil and your consciousness being like that burdock root searching. <laughs> root. Um, and so I'm curious then, did, so you said in the middle of what you shared that the burdock didn't, it wasn't during the burdock period of three months where you became aware of repressed memories. Was there another plant that then supported you after you had your, your completion with burdock or to find I mean, memories? Yeah, from there, I just, I mean, I think that was, uh, I just continued with the work. And so I would say, when did, like the repressed memory of me being raped around four or five years old, that resurfaced when maybe two years later. And there wasn't a specific plant at the time, but I had continued in the work with the plant. So by this time I had, that was 2014, I had completed, I think my herbal apprenticeship program and um, I had done a bunch of, just done a bunch of other things as well that helped with the process. Um, we had our business. I mean, I think it, the plants were at that point, they were just a part of my life. And now the meditation, like everything that happened during that period was just a part of my life now. It was a part of my spiritual practice. Um, and I also knew, I was so much more connected with my body um, that I understood the physical triggers that were happening uh, and making the connections. I was like, oh, I'm thinking about trauma. I'm thinking about my childhood. My body feels like it's going to completely empty out. Um, and so that awareness of what was happening in the body and that mind-body connection grew and developed. And it was still just this strong desire. It's like, no, I want to feel whole and solid inside of myself. Um, and I just continued to hold that intention for myself. And I knew um, there was at one point, I do believe that burdock and Hawthorne a little bit, well, both. Uh, helped me to release so much of what I was holding from my childhood that it created the space for me to desire more love. And for the first time during this process, now this is like a two-year process, that's when I was like, oh, I want a child. <laughs> I want a child. And I was a person, I never wanted kids. Like I had said that since I was a kid, I'm never having children. Um, and it did feel like a very sudden um, feeling or sudden urge, like, I want, I want a kid, but I knew, and this is where the process continued, making that like connection with the triggers in the body and the mind. I knew that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant and carry a pregnancy to full term if I was not completely like healed. Like I can't continue to feel emotionally triggered by this experience. Um, but the plant work, yeah, the plant work was just every day. Like it was just always, I'd have to go back to journals, but it was just always yeah. connecting with the plants. Can you remember besides burdock and hawthorn, were there any, I mean, I'm imagining, I'm imagining that your herbal apprenticeship, that you did a number of one plant sadhanas or mm. you know, periods of time where you were focusing on one plant and that that created a collection of close allies, intimate friends in the plant mm -hmm. realm for you. And then you might have started to branch out after that. Have there been other notable plant friends that that you that are just part of your life now that you can mention and what their what some of the support that they've offered you specifically for for you know what wisdoms maybe you can distill some of that for you, what they mean for you, what they offer you? Sure. I worked with, um, I've worked with goldenrod for a good number of time. And that was really supportive to the kidneys, the kidneys being that center of fear and anxiety. Um, and another one of those emotions that I wasn't as connected to. So I feel like each plant helps me connect with my own like expression of emotion and helps me understand emotion in a deeper way. And I worked with goldenrod for a good, a good while to help support the kidneys, but to help support me through just through anxiety, through fear, fear of being attacked. Another one of those layers around, um, around emotions and, and trauma. And as I started to tell my story, fear of being attacked you know, by the family, that was really coming up and resurfacing. And so goldenrod was that plant that helped, um, that helped me during that time. I've worked with lobelia a lot, a lot last year. 
good, we're so good for the nervous system. And this was a different kind of like anxiety and fear, but just that like, uh, I think helping me recognize my own constitution and how I am prone to anxiety in ways that I had not connected with before. Um, what else? Hawthorne, definitely for the heart. Hawthorne, and I worked with Hawthorne and Burdock together. I had to add Hawthorne to my Burdock because it was, it was almost too intense. I was like, I need to soften the energy. I was having, that's another thing I was having, like just crazy nightmares. Like the nightmares were where you're, where you're seeing that the pro like there's still so much to uncover in this process that you're working through and that there's so much that's still unresolved. But during that dream space, I could see the dreams become like gradually less and less intense. And I could see myself um, standing more and more in my power. And so that was a beautiful process with Burdock and Hawthorne too that I forgot to mention. Wow. What else? Marshmallow. I've worked with Marshmallow. I've worked with Dandelion. I've worked with so many. Like I work right now, I'm working with John the Conqueror Root, not ingesting it, but just working with um, this little nugget of a root. And I've been working with it for about three months or more and just holding it and carrying it and meditating with it and seeing what comes up. So much I feel like is revealed later. <laughs> like it starts to make sense later, kind of like that connect the dots. Any clues so far with the John the Conqueror route? John the Conqueror route. I think that, hmm, there's like a nuance with like standing in your power. Like, I no, I don't have any nuggets yet. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It hasn't come together yet. <laughs> it's a. It's a mystery to be revealed as you continue. So it sounds to me like. Um, well, I, I would be curious to what you would advise somebody new to or even seasoned uh, in herbalism to, because I, I've always, I guess I did when I first started learning herbs, you know, one herb at a time, but not as intensively as it sounds like your training recommended, right? It sounds like you really choose one herb and sit with it and do all the different things with it and just be with what it has to tell you. Um, and so I'm curious if there's a way to initiate that, um, that type of having a relationship with a particular herb that you would recommend for people who want to um, explore this way of communing with the herb. Yeah, and this is what I, you know, I teach my students as well. I think that you, that there's always a plant that's calling you, whether you're driving, like we moved to Atlanta a couple of years ago, and I was always curious about these flowers that I would see along the road. And I think it's paying attention to what are the plants in your environment, what are the spices in your cabinet that you really feel called to. And if you go to the natural food store, go, go to the herb aisle and see what sticks out to you. And without doing a whole lot of Googling and am I doing this right and questioning it, just connect with it. Just um, make a commitment to work with it every day and to almost date it like as if you were dating a human being. Like you're spending time, you're getting to know. I'm not saying don't do any research, but we're so mental that we start there and then we allow the mind to decide for us. And it's like, this is really establishing a heart to heart connection. Mm -hmm. And it's so much bigger than just, um, you know, working with a single, just working with the plant, it's, it's about working with yourself through the plant and allowing it to speak to you and allow it to aspire you. Um, you can hold it in your hand and meditate and then just write down what are your insights. Do some guide writing. What comes up and don't judge it. Just write it and put the paper away. <laughs> Come back to it at a later time. Put it under your pillow. Make a topical medicine, especially if people are, you know, um, a little hesitant to ingest without doing all the Googling. <laughs> Make a topical medicine, infuse it in oil and rub that on your body. Rub it on your chakra centers, your heart center, your heart chakra, your, your third eye and see what happens and just allow the plants to open you up, but really follow your inspirations. Like that's, it's, it's communicating with you. So many people are unsure of like, well, I don't really know what's happening. And it's like, it's happening. What's happening is happening <laughs> and trust it. And it, it is, sometimes it is yet to be revealed, but you are changing through this process and always for the better. Mm. 
So I'm curious how you met John the Conqueror route. That's when it's completely <laughs> familiar to me. I, I don't even know I would know I wouldn't know what it even looked like growing. Um, yeah. How did you meet it? Um, it is a plant that's used in traditional African-American folk medicine. I have not done a lot of uh, research on it myself. And I'm trying to think, maybe one of my friends who's also on the plant path um, with me mentioned it in one of, she does intuitive readings and I get a reading from her maybe about twice a year. And she mentioned working with it. Um, and I didn't at the time, but then it came up again, like in another conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and so I said, okay. Let me just let me just go buy some John the Conqueror root, and I purchased some off of Etsy, and I decided intentionally, like I'm not doing a whole lot of research. I'm just going to work with it myself and see, mm. um, see what unfolds. Wow, that's, <laughs> isn't that somehow how it is, right? right. <laughs> Oftentimes, that's how we get introduced. Somebody says something several times, right? A different person is going to say, or just like you, you know, being the second person to talk about anger, right? And or actually the third person, because uh, a course that I'm in, one of the required books or one of the recommended books is Healing Rage by Ruth King. I don't know if that's a book that you've ever read or, uh, and I just started reading it and it's really good. Um, oh. It's about all that early childhood and stuff and all the different ways that our emotional development gets disrupted right. and how that and I have, she's just getting, I'm just reading the intro, so I haven't got into the healing part yet. <laughs> um, and then one of my uh, apprentices says, are we going to, what do I do with my anger? And now, <laughs> and the anger, so it's beautiful. Well, um, I just want to thank you so much. So do, have you had children? Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> you know, you, you, yes. you had a baby or more. Yes. So that was the big, so that was like that other layer of the, of healing, which was understanding like, okay, you feel the desire to have this child. The child was coming through my wife and I, our dreams, like so many messages were coming through. It's like, the soul wants to come through. Um, but I knew within myself that if I did not continue to work on, um, just he healing from trauma that there was no way we were going to be able to get pregnant and have and have him so that was probably just a nine-month process in and of itself and we did we got pregnant on the second attempt in 2014 and we have our son Niles in 2015 he's now almost five years old and he really is I'm so glad you brought this conversation back around he really is like just the miracles that happen when you decide to heal mm. that are so unexpected. And it's like the life that awaits you is just, it's explosive with joy. And he just, he is totally that. Mm. I cannot, I could never have imagined this for myself. Mm. It's just so, it's so amazing. And, that, wow. and that's really what I try to like communicate to, you know, the people who are considering coming into the herbal mentorship program that I teach It's like, you have no idea what's gonna, what awaits, what's in store for you when you heal. Like, just do it. It's tough. No lies. It's tough. Um, but we're so resilient. We're so resilient. And you have these wonderful plant allies and supporters that can do so much of the emotional heavy lifting for you. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and so it sounds to me, though, I just want to clarify one point because, um, you know, when you were talking, I could hear that it, some listeners could interpret what you said in a certain way, but then I'm hearing that might not be what you meant. And so what you were saying about you knew that there was, that you needed to stay focused on your healing process if you were going to be able to have a child. And, and did you ever feel like you had to get to a certain point? of your healing process and how did you know when you'd gotten to that point perfect yes i knew yeah for me that this was this was the thing i needed to continue working on healing if i was to have this child and for me so anytime i would talk about trauma think about trauma think about my childhood um i would again i would have this emptying out feeling in my body like just feeling like if you dumped out a bucket it's like i have no i can't support myself i could barely stand and so i knew that in order for me 
to get pregnant, carry, you know, have this baby, I needed to be able to talk about my story and not get all emotionally, like, or physically, um, just like so weakened and debilitated by it. Mm -hmm. And so that was really the test. That was really the test. That was really how I knew because I started telling my story. I just started sharing and there were, you know, so much like these synchronicities and the conversations around anger. There were just so many opportunities <laughs> for me to weave in um, healing trauma into conversations. And that gave me so much practice and I could tell within myself and I did, I ended up having a conversation. That was something that I had to do too. I had a conversation with, um, with my father who was the person who abused me and I called him on the phone and it was really just for me to see and see how I feel. What's this, what do I feel like in having this conversation? That was really about nothing. It wasn't a conversation about anything. Um, and because I was able to keep myself together, I knew I was ready. Wow. So, so let me just, I want to clarify some of this too, because there could be so much nuance in this. So you're talking yeah. about noticing the visceral, emotional reactions in your body. That alone can, can be a huge thing, especially if you're coming from where you were completely not in touch with any of that to begin with, where you were kind of numb. It doesn't mean it wasn't happening. Right. Numb. And oftentimes, I know I speak from my personal experience that being numb to your emotions doesn't mean it's not affecting your relationships or it's not doing, you know, all kinds of secret things off to the side that you're not aware of, right? <laughs> it just means you're numb to it and blissfully going about your life like it's not happening, right? Exactly. exactly. And you don't have no idea how it's affecting your health and your relationships and your livelihood and all these things, right? And so as you start to become aware of it, you get some training, you start working with plants, you whatever path you're on. For me, it was yoga and breathing and somatic awareness mixed with the herbs um, as well. But and the dietary change and all of that, you start to become aware. And then you start to notice, oh, my goodness, <laughs> every time I see this color or mm -hmm. someone says these words, yeah. I have this huge backpack of emotional response to the current circumstance that just doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and every time I, and for you, you noticed even further that if you were to tell someone about your childhood history that you knew about, if you were to talk about it, it would create this really strong visceral physiological reaction that was incapacitating right did you have that kind of a response uh, even when you weren't telling your story sometimes like were there situations and circumstances that would bring up that response in you that didn't really merit that kind of full body nervous system somatic response yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime I would even think about it. So I'm not even like having a discussion about it. But when I would think about it, um, smelling alcohol in somebody else's breath, that started to become triggering. Um, what were other experiences? Seeing someone else's explosive anger, that started to become very triggering. Um, yeah, I really, I probably during that time too stopped watching violence on TV for sure and i was like i can't do this anymore like there's no now i'm not numb now <laughs> now i feel and it's like no i can't really do that anymore um so yeah there were there were lots of instances and it was really like being so intentional and so deliberate about bringing myself back to the center i mean back into the present and being like i am not um i'm not being snapped back that's what a trigger kind of does snap you back into this uh, memory this experience that you're no longer in you're no longer living and I had to be very intentional about bringing myself back into this moment and, and being able to know for myself, I'm safe. I'm safe right here, right now, I'm safe. There's nothing, nothing serious is going on right now. <laughs> and so was it just that, what you just described, that um, continual bringing yourself back to the present when you would notice that, um, response that triggered response or re-stimulated response was it just that combined with the herbs or did you also have any other kind of therapy uh so therapeutic support 
uh, in your life um, mm -hmm. to, to work through that. Because I know for a lot of people, that kind of reaction to just everyday circumstances can be very tenacious. Right. Um, and it can be very challenging to do what you just described of bringing yourself back because it just loops and then it's re-traumatizing you and re and like re-strengthening that it's like it's almost an addiction in our nervous system to the stress hormones and and so the herbs can help to replace those stress hormones and transmute those stress hormones with and and so that you're not just addicted to them anymore um and but it can take other things too at least in my experience and so i'm curious what other kinds of therapies if any that you have supported this process with right um so i was doing yoga as well um i had already changed my diet and and it was the plants and it was it was yeah practicing presence and meditation just journaling a lot um we did my wife and i we did go to therapy for maybe about six sessions uh which was kind of just another test i think it was an opportunity for me to say okay can i go and can i talk about this i didn't find that there was anything in addition um, that the therapist was giving us that i that i implemented um it was just an opportunity for me to talk and to vocalize a lot of just voice work that was another um, just layer of healing trauma was being able to speak, being able to speak up to my speak up for myself, being able to share what I'm feeling, feeling safe sharing. Um, I would often, and no matter what I had to talk about, I would just feel that lump in the throat. I would get so nervous and so anxious just to speak. And I was very intentional just about just talking more. And that was very, very helpful. Um, and safely sharing what I'm feeling, even if it doesn't in my mind sound like it makes sense. It's like, just share what you're feeling and realizing that the world doesn't blow up <laughs> when you share what you're feeling or practicing presence. Cause I knew that I'm like, I am not, you know, I'm not four years old anymore. I'm not eight years old anymore. I'm not 13 years old anymore. I am 20 at the time, maybe 20, 30 years old, 32 years old. I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> 32 years old. I am not that young little girl anymore. I have power. I can stand in it. And I would just talk myself down, mm -hmm. come right back to the present, talk myself down. Like I'm here, I'm powerful. Lots of affirmations about just who I am and who I want to be and who I know I'm becoming. Yeah. Wow. But it's very, I knew that this is one thing that I knew. I knew that because trauma was so persistent and showing up, like you can't take a break from like healing your trauma and like Think like, oh, I'm good. That's like when you get those surface layers, right? And you're like, I'm good. I don't need to work on it anymore. But it was so persistent and showing up in all these different areas of life, relationships, work, health, that I knew that I would have to show up for myself in love even more than trauma showing up. If we're if we're battling, if these two are battling, I I'm going to win. <laughs> wow. I'm going to win. Love is going to win this battle. Uh -huh. So really nurturing that by deliberately choosing to love yourself. It's all, it sounds like I call it remothering, right? If you, mm, yes, if you had had someone there when you, that little girl inside of you was reacting appropriately, right? In fear and anger and all of those feelings that come up for you and incapacitatively so, right? That little girl just like you know, you created, you remothered yourself by creating safety in your life to even feel those feelings to begin with. And then she has had the space, you've been given her the space to express and process that. And part of processing those feelings are, you're safe now. I got you now. We're here now. Nobody's hurting you anymore. That's and I did that. I absolutely did that with that, you know, that version of myself. Because yeah. I believed that I believed when I was young, I believed I was like, if, when I turn 18, I'm going to be good. Like I know, just wait, make it to 18. You're going to be all right. And then, and I feel like that was the older version of me, you know, this 30 something year old version of me talking to that version of me. Uh -huh. And I, I remember like now, yes, I'm this 32 year old woman. I'm okay. And now I'm talking to her. Like, that's that, you know, that time that it's like, no, that was me talking to me. Right. We <laughs> get to talking to me. Right. We get to become our own guardian angels, right? And yeah. we get to travel through time and actually in you know, so so many 
this inner child work, it really is that we are working in like, I've shown up for myself in stressful moments as a child or as a baby or any phase, we're yeah. actually going there and being that guardian angel for yeah. that, that phase of our, of our existence. So it's beautiful. Thank you so much for, for sharing about that. Um, wonderful. So I would love for you to share about, uh, you say you have some, some programs that, that you have a mentorship program. Is that an online program? Yes, it is. So I teach a six month online mentorship program called Herbal Medicine for the Soul. And it's herbal medicine, emotional alchemy and spiritual alignment, medical astrology, all in one. And this is really helping people, you know, turn your health issues into non-issues holistically, spiritually. Um, it is online, and but we also have a live component where we, we meet every week and we, we talk, we do Q&A, we do case studies. We look at charts, like we're diving deeply into people, into our emotional spaces as well as our physical bodies um, to align with well-being because that's what we're, we're here to experience joy. Mm. And that's, that's what I want. I want the world to be joyful. Beautiful. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to learn more about your program and your other offerings, uh, where would they go? You can head on over to my website, iwillaremedy.com. That's I-W-I-L-L-A, that's my middle name, remedy.com. And you can see lots of information on the site. You can watch a free video. There's lots of free resources as well as some herbal medicine products. Um, and follow us on Instagram. <laughs> I will a remedy on Instagram. <laughs> I will a remedy on Instagram as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Selena, Selena, Salima, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little mixed up with Iwilla, Salima. Yeah. <laughs> mouthful. Salima, Iwilla. Mm. Uh, yeah, lovely. So um, listeners, also, if you're interested in learning more about the Womb-Centered Healing Temple, you can go to wombcenteredhealing.com and learn all kinds of things there as well. Um, so thank you once again for joining us, Salima. Any last words of wisdom for us before we part um no thank you so much let me think words of wisdom chase your joy you know it chases the wrong word because it's not running away from you like your joy is so it's so here it's so present and just uh choose your joy that's probably a better choose. a better way of saying it choose your joy because it's there and miracles await when you really decide to embark on that healing path it's beautiful you, it's beautiful your life is like it's wildly amazing go after it mm. wonderful Thank you. I'm receiving that today. Choosing joy. Thank all right. So That's all. Thank you. All right. Take care and we'll see you next time.